Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Autosport Podcast. We discuss Lewis Hamilton's challenge to F1's rulemakers and ask how it can really make a difference. Formula One's much-vaunted new regulations for 2021 are a major talking point in the Grand Prix paddock right now. But five times world champion Lewis Hamilton at the end of the recent French Grand Prix weekend threw something of a grenade into proceedings with his comments. He said, They've got to make serious changes to the decisions they've already made for what 2021 should be. Big words from uh, from Formula One's star driver. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to discuss the significance of this is Scott Mitchell. And I should say we're in dangerous territory for Scott Mitchell because we are back in Austria. We are in the very spot where long-term listeners of the, of the podcast will remember the famous horse that disagrees with Scott Mitchell hangs out. The horse is nearby. Yeah, I've already been reunited with my long-time nemesis, my my rival of the last 12 months. He's been a bit quiet of late, but I have uh, I photographed his existence, so if uh, if you follow me on 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 Twitter, you can have a look at that. But yeah, the um I, I think we're going to avoid a bit of animosity though this this week because uh I've been I I'm I'm not on the on that side of the house. The um the the, the lovely place that we stay with, I think uh, I think Autosport's been a been a user of this 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 house for a while now. It's certainly my third year of staying here. Very very lovely uh, people who own it, and we've got sort of a, a select, like set of bedrooms up on the the first floor, and the there's a little farm just behind the house where the where there's a little paddock for some horses, and uh, there's a there's a room out the back of the house with a balcony that stretches out, and like we think we like when we recorded the podcast last year. Um, we certainly had a bit of uh, unwanted in- audio, audio intrusion, didn't we, from from the horse out back? But I'm I'm on the other side of the house, so if I if I want to go, if I want to, you know, square off with my nemesis, I'm going to need to charge through uh, someone else's room and a glass panel to get to him, and likewise him to me. So I think we'll be quite safe. Well, there's quite a lot of uh, obstructions to equine-based descent here because this side of the hotel is quite high up. Now there is there is a ladder down there, but the horse would have to be determined to disagree with you so much that he actually scales a ladder 
to get here. So I, th- I think the most likely thing you're going to get looking out the window is a tractor starting up. So the tractor may disagree. Well, we'll see, won't we? But I mean, it depends on how much, uh, how much I irrit- if I if I'm so irritating that that inanimate objects are able to to gain sentience and attack me, then fair enough. Certainly, some of the stuff I get on Twitter would suggest that that the objects would go to the realms of to, to the extent of becoming sentient to have a go at me that's certainly what the the internet suggests and obviously the internet rules all and is king so obviously i'm a terrible human being and that's why that's well that's probably why a twitter account was set up around about 12 months ago to honor the horse that disagrees with me well if you say anything truly objectionable i'm sure i'll be able to nay or win a in order to uh, to point out uh, how how wrong you are but of course we are in a lovely rural part of uh, austria very rolling hills and it's uh, very pleasant we uh, we came here from Graz earlier today, having uh, flown from uh, from Nice to Vienna. So it's uh, yeah, a nice spot. This is a it's a cracking race. The the race really takes over the locality. We're a little bit of a distance from the track, but I don't know about twenty minutes drive, something like that. But it's a it's a fantastic event, the Austrian Grand Prix. Yeah, I love the Austrian Grand Prix. Absolutely, uh, top race, one of the best of the season. So it's right up there, isn't it, to be. Uh, to be considered the best race of the season, uh, it is a it is a gorgeous view. I'm looking out of my uh, hotel room window, uh, well, guest house room window, we should say, and uh, it is beautiful. Although it is interchangeable with most parts of Austria or the limited parts of Austria that I've seen, because basically once you get outside of Vienna, um, it's pretty much just sprawling green hills, isn't it? Sprawling green hills and constantly changing speed limits. Yeah, they made you furious on the way here. Almost as furious as the F1 2021 regulations and rulemaking process appears to have made Lewis Hamilton. Ah, effortless segue. Very, very well done. Well, let's let's read the Lewis Hamilton quote in full. This is all down to the fact that Lewis Hamilton was one of the drivers that attended the, the recent Paris meeting. Mercedes, Post Toto Wolf said to, to Lewis and to Valtteri Bottas that, uh, can one of you go please? And, and Lewis went along. He takes a clear interest in, uh, in this kind of thing. And the, the, the full quotes, he said, it was encouraging that they allowed us to be there. They were really, really welcoming, which is great. I'm hoping they'll continue to have us there, a couple of us drivers each time. They've extended the decision making the rules. I think they need to because they are nowhere near where it needs to be, in my opinion. They've got to make serious changes to the decisions they've already made for what 2021 should be. Now, these are very strong words from a big ambassador for Formula One. I think it's clearly something he feels very, very strongly about. And to his credit, he stood up and... uh, and uh, and interjected. Now, perhaps you could put into a little bit of context where where he said these things and and how it how it was presented, shall we say? Because I think you were in the room when he was talking about it. I was in the room. He was responding to my question, which obviously makes me super important and very relevant. Uh, unlikely. Uh, it was after the French Grand Prix. He he spoke about this in two phases. Actually, did Lewis uh, first was in the post race press conference. Um, he finished up uh, some lengthy TV interviews downstairs and then joined the press conference slightly late to the annoyance of a few people, I think. But I don't. I, which I, I this is a completely different topic. But that that was surprising to me because the only reason Lewis was late to the press conference is he was fulfilling his TV obligations downstairs. So I thought it was a bit weird that people were annoyed that he was late. Well, it's the usual thing, isn't it? If he if he breaks away from the TV to get to the press conference everyone's like oh he just doesn't feel he's imp- he feels he's too important Bigger to finish the tv sport, yeah. if he doesn't get to the press conference in time oh he's too important to get on time it's a it's a nonsense utterly critique. needless and as lewis then went on to show when he was in the press conference he proved all of these people that just think he's think that he thinks he's bigger than everyone else by talking about why he went to paris for this fia summit meeting to delay the rules so first of all he was uh he was interacting with with uh, one of the um british newspaper journalists uh, ben hunt from the sun who uh, Ben to his uh, not to his discredit because I think he was expressing what most of us actually felt after the French Grand Prix that it was a bit of a dull one and uh, Lewis had not uh, had noticed that Ben was uh, but I think in Lewis's words he said you look so bored Ben and Ben just sort of said well yeah you, but you know this is F1 is it right now isn't it you like I know it you know it we all know it that's what Ben said and 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 that triggered a that triggered the first response from Lewis sort of initially and it no anger at all just genuinely wanting to discuss the issue of whether f1's boring or not or the fact that f1's boring and, and who's to blame and what to do about it the first thing you wanted to do was make clear that people shouldn't be po- pointing the fingers at driving uh, first thing you wanted to make clear was that people don't point the fingers at the drivers and that they should be blaming the rule makers because it's ultimately a, a in lewis's words a cycle of bad decision making that has led to f1 being a formula that that has the capacity to have boring races like the French Grand Prix and 
so he sort of said, you know, he cares about this to the point where he went to this meeting in Paris. And so, so I followed that up and just said, so Lewis, you talk about that meeting in Paris. So, you know, why did you go there? What did you want to gain from it? How did it encourage you or did it encourage you? And, and that's what sort of triggered a long answer. Um, a few minutes worth of, of Lewis seriously thinking about it. Not, he's not shooting from the hip. He never shoots from the hip anymore. Um, I'm sure there's moments where he speaks emotionally, but he's never just sort of take, like, he's never just, firing things off about taking aim and just sort of saying something for the sake of it he, he often pauses and has a, a bit of a think about what he's going to say and then tries to work out how best to uh, articulate it and i think sometimes he does like a little bit of time to arrange those thoughts and there's nothing wrong with that because i remember back in the earlier days when he was in formula one he used to have this uh i mean we're talking second third year when he might be asked uh, a potentially controversial question and he kind of try and talk around it and then he'd almost dig himself a big hole and throw him in it himself in it accidentally like he, so i think now he he's kind of as we all do as, as you get older and more experienced you learn how to deal with this stuff and now i think he takes his time he has to think and he, and he often articulates some some yeah very very insightful and, and thoughtful things and i think no matter what you can't deny that what he's saying is is what he genuinely thinks you might disagree with it but i, th- I think he's one of the drivers that really does try to give you a meaningful answer and it's not just a immediate contrarianism on things as you get from some it's just a well actually yeah something needs to be changed he's realized he's a very very powerful voice well this is the thing so first of all we've established there that lewis does genuinely care about this this is an issue that he takes seriously and he's 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 talked about 2021 rules being significant in terms of whether he resigns his for Mercedes or resigns for a form to continue in Formula One. Yeah, and it's also important for him because he talks about wanting to uh, just improve F1 uh, as, as a whole. So it is a vested interest and there's a wider interest as well. So yeah, so first thing's really important. There we establish that when Lewis is speaking about this sort of thing, it's considered... Uh, it's well thought, it's well intended, and it isn't just taking pot shots at the rule makers. That's, that's the first thing that's really important to clarify. That's why all of what we've just said is relevant. And the second thing is, Lewis is incredibly well placed to make these comments. Not necessarily, it doesn't mean that as a driver, his word is gospel and the rule makers should follow suit. But as a five time world champion, he's the most, most relevant, most decorated person in Grand Prix racing today. Uh, there's on, someone on the current grid to speak about these sort of things. He's the most successful driver, therefore he commands the most authority. And linked in with that is the fact that he's been driving in F1 now for 11 years across five different rule sets. You could argue that the 2019 changes aren't a major one uh, if you sort of throw 2019 in with 17 and 18 because you don't think the front wing changes and the, the, the barge boards and brake ducts and blah, blah, blah have changed things too much. Then it's four major rules packages at the very least that Lewis has been a part of. So he's been through this um, decision-making process all been sort of a, been just outside the bubble of this decision-making process for, for 11 years now. And, he, and he's seen the way... Uh, he's, see, he's seen and heard all of the promises about what it's meant to change, what it's meant to achieve, and then he's he's lived with the consequences. He's he's won races and championships across these different rule cycles, so he he's incredibly well informed just about F one in general, about what the context that these F one twenty one twenty twenty one changes are happening in. And then the final part of this that makes Lewis such a relevant voice is that he was in this meeting. So this the whole point of this meeting in, in, in Paris a couple of weeks ago now was to break the deadlock over the F1 2021 rules because for goodness sake, the first bit of negotiations or discussions, shall we say, about twenty twenty one was at the Bahrain Grand Prix in twenty eighteen, which was in April, so what, 14, uh, 14 months ago now, 15 months and ago? And work had gone on long before that Absolutely. As well. But in terms of bringing in the different stakeholders, so extending it beyond F1 and the FIA to the teams, that's when it sort of really kicked off and became, right, this is our vision, what do you think? And 15 months later, and we still don't have a final say, that's an absolute joke. And, and shame on the rule makers for getting it to this, this point. The trouble is, looking at the wider problem, is it's not, into, I mean, the rule makers is a very loose term. It is and it isn't because, for example, obviously we've got, in terms of the technical side, we've got the research team effectively under Ross Braun. Pat, Pat Simmons is sort of the research head, obviously very, very knowledgeable and experienced, knows what he's doing. They've done some extremely good research and it's very, very positive, the extent of the research. I think if you look back in our, our podcast archives, there's a um, an interview with Pat Simmons where he talks about some of the research, particularly in terms of this year's rules, which were more FIA driven based on some of the research, but, but it is very, very dif- different. So that, that's important. And apparently 
from what we hear, they have made big gains in terms of working out ways to make it better to follow, etc. But if it was just a question of, say, to Pat Simmons and his team and Ross Braun, okay, sit in a room, come out with regulations that achieve A, B, C, D, E, F, to a to a point they can they can do it. They wouldn't be perfect because it is tricky. But there's a whole global picture. So one of the big things, well, the biggest single thing is the is the inequality of of income for the for the teams. And ultimately, this means that Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, they get a huge share of the the revenue. They have more money to spend, and that creates this division. It's no coincidence that we've got this top three that have kind of broken away over over recent. Yes, but there's all politics related to that and Ferrari, Mercedes, everyone can throw their weight around. So they have a, even if they don't have a direct say in the rules, they can leverage the rules because it turns into, well, if you do that, we're going to pull out this, that, or the other. And it creates this whole wider problem. So the reason I say all this is I want to say the rule makers is a, is a broader term. It's more, more a placeholder for not just those making the rules, but also the, the whole political landscape and the willingness of Liberty's leadership to put noses out of joints, etc. Because whenever we have these big, broad, very optimism, uh, encased in, in ways to change everything, they always, always fall short. And they have been for a long, long time. You know, we're talking about cost caps now. Well, the resource restriction agreement a decade ago was meant to be brilliant. Eventually, a coach and horses was driven through that. You know, all these things keep happening and, and we end up in, a, in, in different versions of the, of the same place. And it's because of that. Yeah. So my, when I say the rule makers, I mean that the, 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 it's, it's F1, it's the FIA, it's the, the teams and the, all, it's all the stakeholders that, that are involved basically. And, and between them, they've managed to fudge this so much that we're still at the point now where we should have got it signed off and now it's been pushed back to October. And the reason it's been pushed back is because of this meeting. So, the meeting took place because they needed to break the deadlock because there were the, the, the latest round of FIA F1 proposals to the teams was met with quite a lot of concern. And to the idea was, right, we need to get this done because per the FIA's own rules, we need that this is the, the, the there was a World Motorsport Council meeting just under two weeks ago, and that was going to be the last chance to ratify the, the, the rules. So if that didn't happen, then it was going to be a minefield because you'd have got to this point where the FIA needed to confirm the rules and the rules weren't done and it would have just created all sorts of uh, uh, of problems thereafter. So this meeting was really, really important and Lewis went along, Nico Hulkenberg went along and Grand Prix Drivers Association boss Alex Verts went, went along. And it's a, uh, we sort of expected that there would be some kind of driver involvement or that there'd be sort of teams present and and, and, and that side of things. So stakeholders in a, in a in a different sense, would be there. But it's all unprecedented to have that sort of driver involvement. And Lewis was certainly talking very, very excitedly about the fact that they were finally allowed to be in the room, in in his words, if they've been kept out of that room for a very, very long time. And he doesn't think that that's appropriate. So that's sort of the the final part of why Lewis's comments are so significant, because he's, he's an ultra-successful driver. And given his off-track uh, reputation and how uh, how global his his appeal is. Okay, he's not a household name in America or something like that, but he's the next he's the next best thing as far as F one's concerned. So he's got the biggest reach and and the most success of any driver. That's the first thing. He's got so much experience now across the board that he's perfectly well placed to judge the process and consequences of uh, these rulemaking moments and decisions and and all of that. And then third third he was he was in the room, so he he has now seen these proposals firsthand he has seen the way that process comes together and he doesn't like what he's seen and this is i've said this a few times now but the the french grand prix was bad but we know that f1's in a position at the moment where it 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 can be bad and the whole point of 2021 is to save f1 and, and move it away from that and make it a much better and more entertaining sport over overall and and here's Lewis Hamilton turn around and saying, after seeing things up close for the first time, "Whoa, this is nowhere near what we need." Which is that's much that's more concerning than what Lewis did on track in in France by dominating and leaving everyone bored for what fifty three laps or however long the race was. Yeah, it's a very very big statement. It should be taken seriously. Ross Braun has already said, "Yeah, we're looking forward to working with Lewis and, and the drivers on this kind of thing." So that's all great, but something needs to come from it. Now, we have to be a little bit careful because the drivers are well-placed to give feedback, as as Lewis Hamilton has said, on on certain aspects. The drivers don't have all the answers. Actually, drivers really loved the the kind of sprints between refueling stops formula that didn't lend itself a great deal to to overtaking. Drivers really loved that because they could crack on all the time. 
but it wasn't actually though it wasn't actually that popular and there were lots of complaints among those watching it as well so it's not that formula one should become a thing that's entirely dictated by what the drivers want but they are an important input into it and vitally what i think lewis hamilton has done here in his kind of you, you could it's a little bit like in pro cycling you have the patron of the the the, pelot, the pro peloton who's the, the kind of experienced almost the leader of it and lewis is almost the most experienced driver in formula one Kimi raikkonen's not going to be taking out the role and it's i think it's great that he's he's created this this thing in public so actually everyone's going to be asking the rule makers now it's like right well what are you doing about what lewis said so it brings pressure to bear on them and it's not just a, an offhand thing. And the simple fact is, with the best will in the world, if if George Russell had said this, interesting and insightful character as he is, it wouldn't really have mattered. But this is Lewis Hamilton. This isn't a, a rookie driver with eight Grand Prix under his belt. It's a five-times world champion, Formula 1's most bankable commodity, using his position to effectively sort of represent the drivers. And, and I think it's great that he's willing to do that. The real question now is... Are the drivers really kind of united in what they see? The GPDA kind of claim they are. So potentially what Lewis has done there is really opened the door to, to this input and thrown down the gauntlet to the to those making the rules. Well, it's very interesting that you, you, you point out that Kimi is more experienced but isn't going to take up the handle because when he was asked why he didn't go to Paris, he said it would be pointless. He actually swore, but obviously I can't swear on the podcast. Um because he was that dismissive about it. He basically just said, well, the GPDA had direction, so why did I need to be there? And imagine every driver on the grid took that. If they were, oh, well, Verts is going, so why do we need to go? That's pathetic. It's such a stupid argument. And it's so passive. The thing is, if you don't have a go at being involved in it actively, then do you lose a degree of right to complain about it down the line? Well, exactly. And like Kimmy's been asked before, sort of, does he think that F1's got better or worse in his time there? And he just says, oh, well, you know, it's they always try and change things it doesn't really feel like they change things it's like well get involved that's the whole point don't just sit there and say well the body that represents me is involved like he's a world champion he's the most experienced driver on the grid so why you use that that's the thing that's that's the thing that's good about what hamilton's done and i'm sure there's going to be loads of people that just think well it's just lewis thinking he's really self-important and just sort of talking about how great he is again so he's actually stood up and said i don't like this and not only has he just said i don't like it for the sake of it he turned around and said you should be putting pressure on the people in charge it's the same it's the baked in problems from years and years ago when when bernie and co did prefer gave preferential sort of deals to the big teams and and they want to protect that so th- this process has just been it has been one-sided for so so long and if it takes people like hamilton to speak up and point point the finger and 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 put them under the spotlight then the rule makers have to stand up and be counted for it the, the, hopefully the process becomes more transparent at least to the drivers and the response has been good you, mo- you mentioned that ross braun's already said he's looking forward to working with lewis he says that there are already three more meetings planned where the drivers will be involved lewis says he's open to going to some more he doesn't know for certain because he's a busy guy like like most of them are and i'm sure that that paris meeting becoming a thing so late it was only over the canadian grand prix weekend that it was really this really sort of nailed down so there would have been people that 10 days later had certain things and like lewis was already in paris anyway for what was going to be in paris for paris fashion week so that it, it, it tied in nicely he might not be able to go to the next one maybe sebastian vettel will go to the next one another multiple world champion who has spoken critically of formula one in recent weeks after his controversial penalty in canada where he said that the way f1 racing's gone it's left us all speaking like lawyers well get involved seb go you know use your voice you try and try and try and put a little bit of pressure on well it was good as well that toto wolf the mercedes boss was keen on one of his drivers going uh, valtteri bottas said that on uh, on the thursday ahead of france that he said one of them one of the two should go so th- this is potentially a positive process. Whether it leads anywhere, I, I I don't know. But ultimately, you talk about the different stakeholders and the, the drivers are quite a good barometer. And one of the things Lewis has talked about is the weight of the cars that, that have gone up significantly over, over the past 10 years or so. Now, for the most part, that's down to the increased engine complexity and the crash structures that have been, that have been gained. But a few other little things, they put the weight up a little bit for, for wheel tethers, for example, uh, uh, in the past. But it has meant the car's growing. And actually, not only will the drivers feel it, but also you can see it. You can see it on the television. You can certainly see it from trackside. The cars look less alive. They look a bit more wallowy, a little bit lazier than they used to. Because if you look back, 10, 15 years, and that, that kind of razor-sharp turn-in 
that you get on Grand Prix cars, that's been edged away a little bit. They're still mightily, mightily impressive and stunningly fast, no question. But the speed is delivered in a different way. And that's a good example because that's something that I think does impact the spectacle of Formula One to people watching in the outside world as well as the, the, the drivers in the cockpit. I find it interesting that that when Lewis speaks about stuff like the weight and he goes into such detail about the effects of it. So he talks about the state of the art brakes that are, that, that, that F1 cars have and the idea that the, the, the cars are basically just too heavy. The heavier the car, the harder you work the brakes. So the, the more limited the, 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 the braking zone becomes. So then can you really put the car on the limit? Is that going to deter people from racing because you can't put the brakes under that sort of duress? So you, or, or, you know, maybe the argument is the flip side that you're going to have drivers with fading brakes and, and the races become more alive. I, I, I somehow don't think that'll be the case. I suspect in reality, you'll just have drivers managing things more, but he just, it's interesting to hear a drivers. And this is one of the things that's so interesting about it for me is because when you don't have drivers involved in that process and you hear about a new rule or the FIA or F1 talk about something that's under discussion, when we then get the drivers put in front of us, we say, what do you think about this? And they just say, I don't know, ask the rule makers, it's not my thing. But when you, when you, So when you have a driver get involved and say, oh, actually, they're talking about doing this, here's the consequence, I don't actually personally think this is going to work. That's interesting for us, but it's valuable feedback in the process of making these decisions. You're right, absolutely, that... Drivers don't have all the solutions. Maybe maybe they have very few solutions. Hamilton just hopes basically that the, the things that they're saying about car behaviour, what they think they might need to overtake, rather, it's not necessarily that they want the FIA to turn around to them and say, what do you want Grand Prix racing to be? And then they get to decide. But it's about getting them involved in the in, in the specific process to encourage greater racing. So asking the driver, okay, what do you feel like you lack at the moment to follow a car closely enough or to make to make a pass and similarly presenting a rule suggestion to the driver and because the engineers and i, I guess the, the the technical minds that, that when they're doing all these simulations they can that's that's the thing it's like anything it's like a, a team that comes up with uh with hundreds of iterations of a front wing design in simulation it still needs to be validated on track and rule changes the the ideas the simulations behind certain rule changes need to be validated in reality and maybe driver involvement can help shortcut that process a bit because they can say well actually this is what i think it would do in terms of my ability behind the wheel it certainly won't do any harm i mean it's extremely challenging because obviously those making the rules we're just talking about the technical rules you can make changes based on research but you're not benefiting from the same resource that the average Grand Prix team has got, shall we say. So there's always unintended consequences. For example, the 2009 regulations, when they created exclusion zones for where you could put aero parts in, the teams looked at it and said, well, we can't put that there. And then they they all came out basically with side pods that were cut back and the, the crash structure is very well packaged. So they created an area they could work in. So it's it's always very, very difficult because you can you can set the rules to make the car do a certain thing, to remove certain things, but there's always many more mines and resources being thrown at trying to get around it. So th- this is a really difficult problem. And I'd also add that the problem is complicated by those who look to the past for the solutions because that's not – because, A, half the time people are looking towards a past that never existed. There always have been dull Grand Prix. That doesn't mean you don't try and prevent them and try and make it better by any stretch of the imagination. But you can't just say, well, make it 1970 again and everything will be great, because that's not how it works. In order to make it work, they need to have a very clear mindset of what outcome they want, and then comes the difficult bit, understanding what you can do to create that outcome, because outcomes aren't solutions. The solution should lead to the outcome. Hopefully the extra time that they've had over 2021 and the data that and simulations that they've been able to run makes it more of a success than the sort of short-term interim step for this season because it's not worked, has it? The idea of the, like, this is the, this is the fear that so many people raise. It was just like, okay, there's loads more data for the 2019 changes than ever before. I remember Andrew Green, Racing Point technical director, saying this, but that's because no data was ever done before on changes like this. So it's kind of, it's all relative, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, when it came to the 19 changes, they were always short lead time things based on dragging what they could out out of the research and actually if you refer to that pat simmons podcast if you listen to him you can kind of hear 
him being slightly skeptical because it's a very very small step so i'm I'll allow a free pass on what's happened this year because it was better than nothing. It was it was not far more. It was not much more than nothing, but it was what they could do in the time. But the twenty twenty one things are a completely different kettle of fish because that's a that's the acid test for this whole process. But you say that, but there was also uh, from you know Nicholas Tombasis from the FIA said that the simulations they were getting from teams were suggesting that at some races the nineteen changes were going to increase overtaking by fifty percent. And like, like it's, it's that's nonsense. But it depends what you analyze, doesn't it? Well, you know, you can analyze, you can analyze an eighteen car bodged to nineteen regs, of course. But but the the design, that's the whole thing about the design process, isn't it? You you don't just take an eighteen car and make it into a nineteen car. There's a design process that that you go through, and, and this is the problem. It always depends what you're asking the teams to to show. So so so, do you think that the extra lead time is 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 very significant in making sure that these mistakes just aren't made again for 2021 because they're not getting anywhere in terms of actually finalizing what the cars are going to be well this this is the problem i mean whenever we have these major rule packages they are, there's often delays remember the, the the new engines that were introduced in 14 were delayed they were originally not going to be in 14 they're going to be earlier and they were they were put back so this this is a this is quite a quite a big problem we're now in the middle of of 2019 so really, those regs needed to be set by now. I'd say it's too late. Ideally, you, I, th- I think it's legitimate to say you want a couple of years so people know what they're what they're shooting for. If they can get it done towards the end of the year, which is now the objective, that's okay. But the, the thing that worries me is that, that means they're they're now rushing towards it, and it, I just think it'll be all the horse trading going on in the background. And then you've got things like how the cost cap works and what's exempted, what's not exempted, what the future glide path is, all of these things that just get in the way and poison it and lead to, lead to these trade-offs that, that compromise things. And there's a good chance we'll get to 2021 and go, this is a little bit disappointing because there have been those people involved in it have been very excited about some of the things discussed and the ideas and some of the directions, but how many of them will actually be put in place? How many, will actually happen and will it just be be held back because that's the traditional thing and this is the the case for motorsport as a whole everyone's always pretty conservative with these things you need to make a a bigger step to try and solve these problems and also as we mentioned earlier if you don't solve the wider problems that that face formula one and that is down to the income etc because no matter what people say people say oh it's just ridiculous you're just trying to be the soviet union by giving everyone the same it's not but it's not the case but you've got the big teams that have all the resources and they keep getting all the resources and then they stay there. That's just that's just what happens and that that's not a great situation. And that's why we've got the the least mobile period in terms of teams moving up and down the grid that we have ever had. That's a simple that's a simple point. You know, look at say you could say a team like McLaren has made a brilliant step last year to this year, absolutely brilliant step. But the that means they're now fourth in the constructors' championship and still miles behind. And that's that's basically about the maximum they could have done with a with a fair win, shall we say? So that says something about it. And then you say, well, let's say you do get to the front of the midfield. How far does it? How long does it take you to get the front? So much. And well, even, ask Renault. And and even if you do create an effective cost cap, which is supposed to happen, you still lock in all the things that have been spent, money's been spent on in the past, all that knowledge, the off the shelf things that have been developed that the big teams have got. They still got. So it's it's win win. People say, what's the best way for? Is it better for, for big teams or better for small teams to have the, the regulations early or late? It doesn't matter. Big teams are better equipped to handle the regulations being released late. Bigger teams will do more if they're released early. Bigger teams are bigger teams. They do more. They have more resource. They have, they have more they can throw at it. That, that is the fundamental problem. This idea that somebody on a hundred million can beat someone spending 500 million a year. Slightly ridiculous figures there, but that, that just doesn't, doesn't work unless you have as was briefly tabled by Max Moses, an extreme thing, a two-tier thing whereby you have a team subscribed to a budget cap or a cost control that that then has outright rule advantages over the others, which I don't think is a good way to go. You've got to have the common rule set, technically. Well, the problem is that we've got into a situation where teams seem to think that... Smaller teams just seem to think that the budget cap was going to be the 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 silver bullet. Like that would mean oh, then it will just put the onus on creativity and intelligence. It's like no, it'll still be a race to, it'll still be a competition between the small teams to have the smallest deficit. 
that's what it'll be. It's not, you're not going to, it is, it's a fallacy to think that in 2021, all the teams start from the, from the same point. It's just nonsense. And it just feels like that's getting watered down more and more and more. The one, the one really good thing that came out of that meeting a couple of weeks ago is that, is that commitment to a, to the headline figure of a $175 million budget cap. So the idea was, okay, we'll delay the sporting and technical stuff, but there is, but you need to agree that this is not going to budge. And that's what everyone agreed to. So we do have that figure and that is workable. It's still more, quite a bit more than some of the teams are spending. And we should say there's exemptions in that that come back an extra 50 million of spending on just like that. And things like, as we've talked about at length at various points in uh, on the Autosport website and in video form, things like Honda's uh, ability to go to a different part of Honda and get some jet engine expertise to help boost their F1 engine program. How's that come into a budget cap? Can you put that into a budget cap? It's 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 very, very complicated and there's need for some... Uh, should we say forensic uh, forensic accounting there? I would be stunned if uh, they get anywhere near keeping teams to the same budget in reality. No, it's it's extremely difficult, and it, and it is a obviously it's outside of our area of expertise how how you can monitor this financially. Some people say actually it's not too difficult. Others say others say it is uh, very very complicated. I mean, uh, the simple fact is teams will do what they can get away with. Doesn't necessarily mean outright cheating, but grey areas that kind of thing that 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 will. That, that's part of what you do. Well, grey areas are the foundation of success in Formula One, aren't they? Well, exactly. That's uh, that's uh, very very true. So it is it is very very difficult. And I think what would be interesting is, for example, I'm sure Lewis will be asked about this at the circuit tomorrow to talk a little bit more about the things he thinks need to be changed. And I actually think now, the way the way F1 operates at the moment, they try and keep all this stuff very, very... In fact, it's half the time it feels like that's their main thing. They tell all the teams not to talk about this stuff, not to talk about what's being discussed, because they're terrified of it getting out. Actually, do you know what? Let's have a little bit of public discussion on this. Let's throw out there a few of the ideas. It doesn't mean you throw out draft rules in public every five minutes, but let's actually talk about this and challenge it so we can say to... So, so there's a public debate there, and, and, and you can say to drivers, what do you think of this? And they can say, well, this actually, that's good. That's not so good. Rather than this just obsessive lockdown. You know, Liberty Media is supposed to be the, the, the company that gets the commercial rights, knows how to market things, tell people, get people engaged, etc. Well, they're not getting people engaged in the rules process, are they? It's just the usual thing. It's a closed shop. And the worst thing is, it'll end up being a closed shop, and then they won't be accountable for it later on. Because that it just turns into the way that the, all these things work, that they want to do it themselves. They want people not to question or, or interfere. And I'm sure they're irritated. Hamilton said that, to be, to be quite honest, because it has put them on the spot. But come on, let's actually have, because there is very, very good work going on in there. They're not, not doing the work. But what's essential is that that work is what rises to the surface and allows us to frame the rules that way. Well, it's classic F1 and, and, and FIA to a degree, isn't it? It's just an ability to shoot itself in the foot and not actually shout about the good stuff. And this utter paranoia of uh, uh, this paranoia and, and sort of fear of, of, of things getting out of control and, and that, and feeling like you're not totally in control of the entire process, feeling like, uh, you're going to be, uh, you consider yourself to be needlessly criticised or open to criticism that's just not going to help the process. It's just stupid. It is needless paranoia, and it's going to it's going to really hurt the process. Transparency is king. And let's be honest: if you look at history, how often are you on the right side of history if you're trying to to make things opaque instead of transparent? That's very very true. And I think a lot would be gained from being transparent in in this process, isn't it? There's areas where they've tried to be, but. Not, I don't. I don't feel they're committed to it, and it's. It, it is a shame that they're telling so many teams not to talk about this because actually there'll be some really interesting stuff. Everyone's being negative about Formula One right now after watching the French Grand Prix, and we haven't had eight spectacular, brilliant races this year. It's been like often the case: some, some decent, some interesting, some, some less good. But imagine if there was, there was some something on the horizon. Say, so oh, actually, they're talking about doing this in that year. Get you know really actually get some of these ideas out there and you, you'll get some buzz and some excitement because right now everyone on the outside or the fans out there will just think well we've had rules revolutions repeatedly we had rules revolutions in 2009 we had a rules revolution in 2014 we had one in 2017 we had sort of one in 2019 oh yeah it's same old same old that that's the problem so actually try and give people that and that occasionally 
they're willing to talk about it. But there's there's not enough, and I'd like to see Liberty just not being afraid of this and the FIA really being committed to the to the transparency. It doesn't mean every meeting has to be live streamed and transcripts and minutes released on everything. Of course not. There ha- there is a reason for some of this stuff to be kept behind closed doors, but. The big picture, the, the the first principles that are being discussed, that's what we're talking about here. So we can say, right, in 2021, we want to do this, this, and this because of this, this, and this, and see what people say. People might say, oh, actually, that's a great idea. We like that. And also, you get a little bit of feedback too as well. I mean, you've got to be careful because social media lends itself to negative feedback on just about anything. But it would be a good little way to test some of these things and, and trial things, and maybe we'll, we'll get we'll get somewhere with it. Well, it's just going to stop people needlessly getting their back up about it. Because at the moment, when you're constantly frozen out of something, and it's a process whereby the World Motorsport Council meeting, for example, that's a moment, that's a point where the the, the key various stakeholders get together, they discuss things that impact the short and long term of the Formula 1 World Championship and all of the other championships that come under the governance of the FAA. So that's a huge meeting. And it's not like it happens every week or every other week. And what happened two weeks ago when they had this meeting? Obviously, the World Motorsport Council meeting came 24 hours after this big summit to agree to delay the rules package. And what did we get from the World Motorsport Council at the end of Friday? Just a, 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 a what one or two paragraph statement that just said, following the meeting to delay regulations, the council agrees that they should we should just wait and, and, and see what happens over the next coming months. That's it. Like, that's ridiculous. Well, that's that's basically the FIA, and that's certainly something that, that under John Todd's leadership, it's it's continuous. You know, the FIA needs to be accountable in this, and needs to be to attempt to be transparent, but at least tell people things are happening, or just just try and be a little bit more open on this. Because people, the, the fact is, motorsport isn't a normal thing. It's not like, for example, the, one of the, in fact, the, the biggest thing the FIA deals with is is mobility worldwide automotive road safety that kind of thing there's a lot of stuff involved in that that yeah you do do stuff behind closed doors then roll it out when you're talking about safety stuff etc etc and you publicize it but motorsport is something different it's like a living breathing thing with an active fan base that really buys into it that really commits to it and ultimately without those eyeballs it doesn't work financially motorsport so you do have a responsibility to them to try and have a degree of openness. It doesn't doesn't mean total transparency, but just just to try and engage and not just have that sort of slightly haughty, well, we're doing it, we're, we've got this under control, we'll have it all sorted, because history says, actually, they won't. And then maybe if people can understand the process more and understand the ideas, they'll be more open to it. And then again, it's like, well, okay, 2019, 2020, we feel that's a bit same old, and I think we still will have some great races in that period. But... There's that 2021 to, to look forward to. But that's a, well, the frustrating thing is that it's not even that they do, they have their meetings, have their discussions, and then don't do anything with it. It's the opposite. They, they get, they're, they're going out of their way to stop people getting information. And it's not like there's, it's not like we're sat around desperately trying to get like a really, really sexy story and trying to stitch someone up. I mean, I know that they, I know that a lot of people think that, that all hacks are the same and it's all paparazzi style thing, but that's just nonsense. We just want to understand what's going on to a decent degree. It's the way I always whenever I've engaged with a technical person or something like that, and I, I just want them to explain an engine update or what how a car, part of the car works, I always say, I don't need to know how you achieve it necessarily. I just need to know what you're achieving and the sort of basic principles behind and it. And usually the, the, the technical personnel love explaining this stuff and talking about it. And it'd be great to get a public debate. And then you can kind of go to, you go to Adrian Newey and say, well, what do you think of this proposal to James Allison to... James K. McLaren, you know, all these people who have expertise and you can start to get opinions. And actually, although inevitably it'll be poisoned by the politics of who they work for, but for the most part, they also have honest opinions and you'll get, you'll get a straight answer out of, out of someone if, if you ask on, on these things and a straight explanation. Actually, just as an aside, I think as a whole, Formula One, it varies from team to team, but Formula One's pretty bad and has got worse at explaining the technical side, and they, they try and hide technical people away and don't let you just ask and try and stop you from asking questions of them to, just to understand stuff, which I think is a is a real shame, actually, because Formula One, all the, all the surveys that are done show that actually fans do like there being technology of a certain kind in Formula One and like to try and understand it, but it's all it's all hidden, and it's particularly ridiculous 
when you've got the fact that we all know teams spot things on each other's cars very, very quickly. They've all got photographers taking shots. You know, they're not, I don't know what they're hiding from half the time because all their relevant rivals know about it. You know, I know technical directors sometimes will, uh, once you know each other, if they notice something interesting on someone's car, if I'm a technical director somewhere and you're a technical director another, I might send you the photo and say, ah, we've spotted it. And I know that sort of thing happens. Exactly. It's, 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 it's commonplace. So this, this whole F1 FIA paranoia is, it's seeping through F1. I've only been a full-time F1 journalist for, for what, 15, 16 months now. And it's gotten worse in the time that I've been here, let alone how, however long you, since you first set foot. Yeah, it has, it has got, it has got worse. It's still good in many ways. Well, just you, as an you, can, you can still speak to the, the drivers and the technical people involved, but it's harder to get them on record and you have to be a little bit more careful about it, should say, which I think is a, is a pity. And I, I understand it when it comes to there's, there's a wariness about sort of soundbite style stuff and stuff being twisted because there are some that do that. But I just think it's a, I just think it's a real, real pity. Well, especially because the, from an FIA F1 point of view, the more they talk about it, the, the, if they let a little bit out, then they only need to do a little bit and the media can do a lot of the good work after that because what we'll do once we have that is we will go and ask people. We'll ask the drivers, ask the team bosses. If there's a technical representative available, we'll ask them. Then their positions will get put on record and the FIA will suddenly have loads more data. F1 will have loads more testimony from various different voices. You don't necessarily need to have all these complicated meetings and stuff like that to get everyone in the same room because it'll there'll be a natural dialogue and it will span weeks and months and you'll get a proper big picture of what everyone really thinks. So why not do that? Like we're... We, we don't exist, the media doesn't exist um, as a loudspeaker and, a, and an advertising board for, for motorsport as much as what some teams and championships think. We're not here to just say about how great everyone is and, you, and we're not here to be their mouthpiece. But at the same time, we're not here to just completely stitch everyone up and be the enemies of, of people within within motorsport. So there, there's an element of all the different factions that can work together. And, you know, on the team side, I won't go into massive massive examples, but just as... just one, you don't need to be a genius to see how much extra access uh, or we we get to Honda, for example, on the engine side than we do Ferrari based on how much coverage we can give to Honda engine upgrades or talk about the Honda story more than we can talk about the Ferrari story. Likewise, if anyone's seen over the, just the last two Grand Prix weekends alone, um, uh, Viasat, the Swedish broadcaster, and, and Sky Sports F1, which has the rights in the UK, both of them have had brilliant, brilliant interviews with James Allison from Mercedes. In uh, it, they both of them were done in Canada. So there, there's a brilliant. You can it, you don't need to be a genius to see that Mercedes are doing a brilliant job there in making someone available to actually talk through. Yeah, I think, I think Mercedes elements. are one of the stronger ones on that. Exactly, and, and it's a sliding scale. Some teams are, are good at it. Some teams are, are terrible. The thing is, to me, it's not just about. The important thing is not just about the media, it is about the fans out there who can then just understand a bit more about, about what's going on. And then, and then that's to, to everyone's better. I mean, we've, we've massively digressed it, but it doesn't, doesn't the fact that we've just gone off on, on one on this effectively show the benefit of someone like Lewis Hamilton coming back to our starting point, just standing up and saying, actually, some things need to change. And he's used his, his kind of power and influence to, to open that door a little bit. And it will make it a big talking point because he's got the chance now, he'll have the time to think about it. He, he knows he'll be asked about it. He might be able to throw a few things in that he wants to get out there in public and actually say, well, they're talking about this. I don't know. What are they going to do? Ban him for talking about it? Of course they're not. You know, he's a relevant voice and he should be allowed to raise this. Some things are covered by confidentiality, etc. You can't have everything. You know, you know, we're not asking for that. But there's a chance that, uh, to really bring some of this stuff to the to the surface and ha- and have that debate in public, and the whole point about going off on a massive tangent, as we sort of did over the course of this conversation, is to to point out that there is this fundamental problem that the F one needs to get on top of, and just because we have we have a new commercial rights holder, and just because there's all this promise of twenty twenty one brilliance and wonder it doesn't mean anything in reality if uh, if there are deep-rooted problems. And that's the point Lewis was making, is that it's not just what you're seeing on the racetrack between the drivers that's the issue. It goes way, way, way beyond that. And that goes for a lot of issues in F1, certainly in terms of the information side, trying to be able, 
trying to explain stuff, trying to understand why certain things get done. And if you can't do that on the most basic level in F1, how the hell are they meant to do that on on an issue as thorny and as wide-ranging as the 2021 rules? But it's vital that there's wide-ranging debate for the benefit of of everyone, for for the drivers, so they've got a good understanding of uh, of whether or not they want to commit to F1 for 2021 and beyond. Drivers like Lewis Hamilton, and for the fans who want to know whether it's worth them sticking around. And the fact is as well, there's so many good people who are involved in this, very dedicated, who are putting the work in and really do have good ideas and often they get drowned out by the by the wider problems. But there's a lot of intelligence, brain power and actually a lot, everybody accuse, assumes everybody's got an agenda. But for the most part, a large proportion of those who are working, say, on the technical side are fans of the sport. Even those who aren't necessarily fans of motorsport or fans of engineering and that kind of they and they've worked in it and they want it to to go well. So they want to come up with a with a good outcome. Yeah, those working for teams will always have an have an eye on what benefits them. They have to, and team bosses will do the same. And that's why actually though what they bring to it always has to be taken with a degree of a of a pinch of salt or at least with a degree of caution and even the same with someone someone like Lewis Hamilton what he says he is a Mercedes employee he is effectively a team representative that said what he was talking about a plural card for Mercedes the less change the better given their current position so I don't think he was exactly on message even in terms of what Mercedes is that was Lewis Hamilton saying what Lewis Hamilton thought and that's not a bad thing but as Lewis pointed out he's probably uh, he's, he said they probably won't like me saying this they, they've been the FIA because he was saying that this, the, the rulemaking process has been has been so flawed for so long so yeah, I don't really, I don't know if what Hamilton has said will change anything I don't know if the drivers being involved will say anything but the more the more open that process is the better and hopefully if the drivers get involved and embrace it then maybe the FAA and F1 will turn around and say actually when we open this up to more voices it is better and and the, and to be, to their credit F1 and the FAA are are obviously looking at opening that up that's why they've got these meetings where they've got the drivers involved more that's why um, admittedly after a little bit of paranoia last year Chase Carey now meets with the teams regularly on Grand Prix weekends to discuss certain topics so the learning, I hope they're learning, that communication and debate is better than uh, than stupid games of smoke and mirrors and trying to keep people guessing, saying, well, we don't have anything to comment on this because there's no final decision. It's that that's ludicrous. And it's for the better of, of it's for the betterment of F one as a whole, if everybody actually can come together in some sort of well, I'm not we don't need to be all be holding hands singing songs around a campfire together after every Grand Prix weekend and and sharing secrets and stuff like that, but just open the debate up a little bit more. The stupid thing is, as well, is you might actually sometimes get some real, genuine feedback. I'll give you an example. When the stupid knockout qualifying system was was first uh, first heard of, it was basically being railroaded through. Short time, I remember being sat in the media centre in Barcelona. Uh, one of my colleagues said to me, "Oh, still on this? We've heard this is happening." And I went, and when it was explained to me, I said, "Well, that that won't work because it's gonna it's gonna front load qualifying." It took about five seconds to no brilliance involved in that anyone who sits down and thinks about it for for two minutes knew what was going to happen so maybe if that had been announced a little bit earlier or talked about rather than being railroaded through people would say hang on a minute this is what happens that's a terrible terrible idea and that's an example of how even in recent years a terrible idea can be adopted that could have been stopped just with five seconds of five seconds thinking because the motivation behind that was that promoters were talking about not seeing enough laps from the from the big big teams etc and it just meant we ended up with no no climax to the qualifying set qualifying first two qualifying segments it was a it was total madness well let's just the simple way of putting it is a lot of the time when you're involved in a process like this it's very easy to get bogged down in in certain things and you you end up sort of tying yourself in knots because you you, you you chase one thing, you can run down blind alleys. I'm mixing metaphors here, it's horrible. You end up with a narrow objective and nobody nobody's in power to have the global exactly. view Exactly. So, so it can be really, really useful to get an external opinion from sometimes. And again, this is why this is why the more open they are, the more drivers... We've said this loads of times now, but the more the more open they are, the more drivers will we'll talk about it, the more team bosses will talk about it, the more sponsors might talk about it, the more companies outside of F1 might talk about it as well. And that's no bad thing. We shouldn't be scared 
of um, of having a little bit of a uh, of proper engagement in the narrative instead of it being a democracy so to speak but uh but a dictatorship in terms of the control of the the information that just that that is the worst of both worlds yeah and I, and I think the last point of this for me is I think being a bit more open on this stuff and discussing more in public to me that is a clear sign of a confidence of confident leadership and it always is it's a willingness to be challenged a willingness to say this is what we're doing and have people challenging because nobody's nobody has a monopoly on being right you need to be able to if someone challenges you on something you say you need to think about it and sometimes you think oh actually you know you have noticed a problem you come from a different perspective and that's that's what i want to see um i don't know whether whether we will because the frustrating thing is all the ingredients are there formula one is still a fantastic category it really is. There's there's many amazing things going on. Some fantastic people. It does have its problems, but it's got great people. It's got great potential, and it needs not to be squandered. That's that's the important thing, and that's what 2021 is 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 all about. And not writing off 2021 by any stretch of the imagination. There is still a longer than anticipated way to go, and it could well work. But it's just very hard to be confident. F1 has the potential to to take a, a step in the right direction and fix the things is that the best thing about what the F1 about what the FIA and F1 are committed to doing at the moment is finally targeting all of these deep rooted problems that have been baked in over years decades even and all credit to them for doing that but there's no point in setting that objective if you're then going to have your head in the sand over over, um, over being challenged in, in certain areas the whole point of this process is you're challenging the status quo and if you if you try and block people from talking about it, if you try and block a conversation, you will ultimately they will ultimately limit the potential of what they can actually achieve, and that would represent a massive missed opportunity for what twenty twenty one could be for the history of the Formula One World Championship. This should be a, this should be a moment where the ills of the last twenty years, shall we say, get properly properly addressed, and the best stuff about one gets made even better. And as I say, credit to F one. Credit to the FIA for what they're trying to achieve, but there is a better way of going about achieving it than they're doing at the moment. And the sooner they realise it, the, so- it the, the better. And when we get to October, when we get to this new deadline, hopefully Lewis Hamilton will walk into another meeting and just say, wow, this is considerably better than when I saw it six months ago. That's the thing, yeah. I think you summed it up very, very well there. And there are good people involved, so let's let's hope that some uh, some good sense prevails and and we get somewhere. Well, evidently we're on the right track because we haven't heard a single piece of uh of horse-based uh uh descent so that's very very positive so well done scott in that regard although there is half a chance that when we we go out of the hotel later on the horse might be waiting got big teeth horses so you're gonna have to be very careful scott's looking very very fearful now uh well do check out autosport.com obviously we'll have all of the coverage from the austrian grand prix weekend all the news from there and of course the rest of the world of motorsport our plus subscriber area where you can read longer pieces from the the world's best motorsport journalists and autosport magazine is out every thursday in today's issue we'll have an in-depth analysis of the french grand prix have a look at sister titles motorsport.com f1 racing magazine out monthly and motorsport.com And if you like this podcast and you haven't already, please do subscribe. We're out every Monday and Thursday. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.